Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 499 and session number 155 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast, and I do it every single week, every single Friday, and today we're going to do it again and wait a minute, I got to stop here. I got to, I got to call a timeout. Kevin, if you're listening, I, I know a, a referee guy named Kevin. Kevin, if you're listening, call a timeout, man. I need to call a timeout here because we're at episode 499. Did I really just say that? Crazy, crazy, crazy. And I can't wait for episode 500. I got something special planned for you guys. So you're definitely going to want to tune in there. Now, let me talk a little bit about what we're going to be covering here today. And then we'll get into, uh, well, we'll get into some stuff. So first off, we're going to talk about, uh, is this feedback hack legal? There's uh, something that uh, someone is thinking they might want to do because they heard they could, and they want to know if uh, if it's legal. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about any benefits for low margin products, and we're also going to be talking about how to form a partnership and some things around that. All right, so that's what we're going to be discussing just to kind of give you guys a heads up. But before I do, I do need to remind you that the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 499. Man, I can't believe 499. But anyway, yeah, we're still here. Uh, so the other thing is if you want to ask a question, you can definitely do that by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. And uh, you can go ahead and ask a question. All I ask you is to just leave a brief question and also your first name and maybe where you're tuning in from. I always like to know where you guys are tuning in from. Now, before we do jump into uh, into today's episode, I got a couple things I wanted to mention and one thing I just kind of wanted to talk about as far as you guys know my, my weekly thoughts. Uh, but first off, a little bit of an announcement here. Some of you know that we recently opened up our product discovery boot camp and it was in beta. And what I mean by that is we had about 100 people, just over 100 people in our beta class. We actually, uh, we, we filled it in less than seven minutes when we announced that. And uh, we were only going to take 100, but before we could turn it off, we actually had about 110, I think it was, in there. Um, so then we finally shut it down, and seven minutes later, we were filled. The cool thing is, is we went through that entire process with a class. And uh, the whole idea here was to go through the training that we wanted to deliver, uh, and we did it in a live fashion. We got on once a week on the weekends generally. And, uh, and we went through this process together and Chris and I went through it as if we were going to be starting from scratch. All right. With no product idea, no market idea, nothing. And we went through the entire process. And at the end of the four weeks, we actually had a market that, uh, or have a market that we're interested in and that uh, we found three to five products. Actually, we found a lot more products and it's where we actually go through and show you exactly what we're doing. And then you're doing it along with us. Had a lot of great, great stories after completing that. A lot of people have a lot better uh, clarity and vision and focus now of what they're going after. And really it's about going out there and finding the market and then finding products to serve to that market and sub markets and all that stuff. But the reason why I'm mentioning it is because now we are open to the public. So if you have not jumped in yet, you can definitely go check out all the details by heading over to productdiscoverybootcamp.com. So again, that's productdiscoverybootcamp.com. And again, it's a four week training and uh, it's pretty awesome. Chris and I are actually going through reviewing our own products, showing you on camera, us getting our samples after we've uh, went and did some outreach and stuff. But 
enough on that. But if you're interested in that at all, definitely head over and check it out. It's pretty awesome. We're really proud of it because it came out really good and a lot of people are getting some really awesome results. So definitely go check that out. All right. So let me, uh, let me kind of talk a little bit about what's on my mind and then we'll dive into these questions. All right. Now here's what I want to talk about. One thing leads to another. What the heck does that mean? Well, let me uh, let me kind of dig in here a little bit. I was recently in Orlando, Florida, and I was attending an event called Funnel Hacking Live. It's actually uh, more or less for like sales funnels and and really about building your business, growing your business with physical product, with digital products, basically everything. Um, so anyway, it was a great event, but I actually ran into one of our listeners. Actually, I ran into a bunch of listeners. We actually had a meetup there and everything. About 40 of you showed up, which was pretty awesome. I got to meet a lot of you, but um, this one guy comes up to me and he says, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm a big, big fan, big listener of the show. You've helped me so much. And I'm not gonna go into the entire story. Actually, Chris and I actually did a Facebook Live on this, but just to kind of give you, uh, and, and again, why I want to give you this one thing leads to another example is because he started about two and a half years ago listening to the podcast and he said the biggest thing that I took away from your podcast was taking action. I kept hearing you say, take action, take action, take action. You know, don't worry about necessarily success throughout this entire process. Yes, we want that, but just get started, take action, and it will kind of lead to the next thing or the next move in this case. So what he ended up doing was he sourced a product. He went through the entire process. He sourced a product, but on Amazon, that product was, was pretty competitive and kind of like looking at the market now, he probably wouldn't have did that. But then what he did was he says, well, wait a minute here, that's Amazon. Let me go ahead and figure out this whole, you know, building a little sales funnel and then maybe driving some Facebook ads to this product because that doesn't mean, or, you know, just because on Amazon it's competitive doesn't mean I can't go and get traffic some other places and then still make this thing work. And, and, you know, instead of learning all about the Amazon, you know, algorithm and all that stuff right now, let me go ahead and see if I can build a brand in this, uh, in this market with this one product. Now, he's still going to launch, I think he did, launch on Amazon, and he has other products that are our sister products that will help each other. Uh, but the main, the main thing here that I took away and that he took away after doing this is, he said, this led me to wanting to figure out Facebook ads, and then from there, learning how to create a sales funnel, and then from there, how to understand how to get it to convert on the other end. And by doing that, he learned Facebook ads, he learned how to build a sales funnel, he learned how to get a converting offer, and he's selling his product on a, on a regular basis, not even on Amazon, right, on this one product. But that also led him to another, another thing, which was a partnership. So now he's working on another venture uh, in, you know, in a similar space, but again, all of these skills that he created along the way, or that he learned along the way, helped him get to where he is today. And now he's doing exactly what he wanted to do. And he's building a brand uh, on and off of Amazon. But again, this never would have happened if he didn't take action and do something. And that's really what I want to just kind of convey here to you guys is that you need to understand that what you do right now might not be the thing where you end up right? It's, it's one thing that leads to another, meaning you do something here, you, you learn it, and then you pivot a little bit. And that could be pivoting like, well, I picked the wrong market. Maybe I should just go ahead and liquidate this and start over and pick a different market. Like that might be the thing, right? But you don't fail unless you stop. And all you have to do is just continue 
to learn the process. I just had this conversation with another friend of mine and I'm like, listen, you need to fall in love with the process. Forget about if that's a success right now. Yes, you want to strive for that. But if you go and I go back to like football and baseball, if you do it a whole, if you had a whole football season, the New York Giants this year, terrible, my team, by the way, which, you know, any Dallas fans out there don't, don't hate me. Um, I I still like you, Uh, (laughs) but they're terrible. So what do they do? Give up? No, they adjust, they make moves, they pivot, they hire new people. They, they have to go back to the drawing board and figure out where did it go wrong? What happened? We used to have a successful season. Now we don't. So they have to look at it and say, what do I need to do? And they're going to learn through that process. You need to fall in love with the process and understand that you're learning skills throughout this entire journey. All right. So one thing leads to another. Again, just to give you my little example here, right? I started years ago with my wife in a brick and mortar photography business that led us to then getting into the film transfer business that led me to a product that I built for my business inside of there to help me transfer the films. And then I started to sell that on eBay and I sold over a hundred thousand dollars of that product. And then from there that taught me about online sales, taught me about physical products. Then I started hearing this thing about, about Amazon. And then here we are, right? See how things lead by doing right? But you have to, you have to actually get out there and do stuff and you can't look at it as a failure. You have to go out there and say, you know what, what I'm doing right now is just training me. It's educating me to the next thing. Okay. And I don't mean jump from shiny object to shiny object to shiny object. What I'm saying is if you learn Facebook ads, you can pretty much take that Facebook ads training and then apply it to another thing that you're doing or the next business that you're going to start. Or maybe you're going to be, you're going to be a consultant. A lot, a lot of my listeners start a business, they get us, they, they get their business going, and then all of a sudden they start consulting on the side for businesses that don't want to launch their own products. They just want to sell in retail. That happens a lot, but they're learning a skill set, and we're all learning a skill set. So just remember, one thing leads to another, all right? Don't forget that, all right? So let's go ahead and uh, and get ready to uh, to dive in here because we've got some questions we got to answer today so what do you say let's do this hi scott this is nick from cincinnati uh, i want to thank you for uh, answering some of my previous questions and i have two questions for you today i'll just cut straight to the chase um first was about uh email uh feedback sequences um i've when i've purchased things on amazon i've seen uh some sellers um having feedback sequences that have um, graphics and maybe even have, uh, you know, five little yellow stars that kind of make it look like it's already a five-star review. And it's, you know, it's really attractive and easy to click something like that. Um, I thought this was against terms of service. Um, And while my feedback sequences per your recommendations are uh, effective, um, and I'm thankful for that, uh, it seems like, it seems like there's an advantage with, um, kind of using these uh, these graphics and things like that. I uh, wanted to know what your thoughts were on that, if anything had um, changed or, or what your recommendation is there. Well, hey, Nick, thank you so much for the question. And just to let everyone know, Nick asked two questions. This is the first part of a two-part question. The second one was unrelated to this one. So I just wanted to cut in here real quick and answer this first question just so we don't get lost in the second question, all right? The first question is about feedback. 
And we're not talking about reviews right now, but it could be basically applied to the same thing here. Now, what Nick is talking about, and Nick, what I think you're talking about, is in those follow-up sequences that we are that we're sending out to our customers inside of something like Sales Backer or Feedback Genius or whatever you're using, you're talking about adding graphics to that email and graphics that could also influence them to go and you know, leave a five-star review because they see five stars. Even though you're not saying five stars, you might just show a graphic that shows five stars and you go, hey, can you do us a favor? Can you go leave us some feedback or can you go leave us a review and you're hinting, make it a five-star. Uh, number one, let me just talk about graphics in an email. I would stay away from graphics in an email, not even because I think it's against terms of service. I think it will lower your, um, your uh, deliverability. That's what I personally think because graphics a lot of times come through as if they are HTML or, well, they are HTML, uh, which anyone that's listening, you don't really need to know what that means. It just means that it's another format in an email. It's not just text. And because of that, that can flag an email provider like Gmail, Yahoo, or whatever you're using as being spam or being a promotion. So it could get dropped in the promotions tab and then no one will ever see it. So I like to leave those emails really clean, really plain, uh, broken, broken up really. I like to just you know, maybe, you know, maybe two, two sentences on, on, you know, or in one chunk. So if you're asking for something or you're talking about something, you want to break up that email. So it's scannable, but I would leave the graphics out personally. Okay. For that reason alone. Now let's talk about if it's within terms of service. I don't believe that Amazon would be okay with you putting a graphic in there, uh, especially of a five-star uh, something like that. I, I believe that that would be against terms of service. I didn't look into this before I got on here, but I wouldn't even entertain it myself personally. Now I know there's some other tools out there, which I'm not going to, uh, bring any attention to those. Uh, but there are some that kind of have like a red check mark or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, a green check mark or a red check mark or, or some type of box. So that way there gives you like, do this, don't do this kind of thing. Um, and there's, uh, probably even some that are doing what you're saying. Uh, I would personally stay away from that. You know, anytime that you are giving someone, you know, that push or the idea that they need to go leave a five-star review, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty, uh, scary ground right there for me because I don't want Amazon to flag any of those messages or for someone to email Amazon and say, I got this email from uh, you know, a seller and they're trying to get me to leave a, a, you know, a positive feedback or a positive review. Like I don't want any chance of that. And I definitely don't want to do it with a graphic. So I would say, keep it clean. Now you said that uh, the one that you're using that I've talked about in the past, the, the very simple ask for feedback first. And then after that, ask for a review, you said it's working really well. So keep doing it. Like just keep doing that. All right. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't change something that's not broke. You know, you don't have to fix it. Um, I know sometimes you want to make it better. I get it. And we all want to kind of improve things, but it's kind of working. I'd move on to other things, especially if it's, if it's working right. Um, I would not want to, uh, jeopardize my account just to say, I might get, get one extra one out of a hundred because I did that. Um, I think you, you, uh, you run more of a risk of getting in trouble for that, uh, whether it's with a customer or not. Uh, and also it's going to lower your deliverability. So again, I would say no. All right. I wouldn't do it. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to Nick's second question and then I'll give you my answer. 
Uh, and then the second question is kind of totally unrelated. Um, it's actually about uh, paying suppliers. Um, so I've done a few things through uh, trade assurance and had good success with that. And I have a supplier that I work exclusively through PayPal with. Um, I had a, one of my products was kind of a break-even type product. Uh, sold quickly, sold well, um, but not a lot of profit in it once everything was said and done. Um, but I got thinking, you know, if that was almost something that I could almost bankroll, uh, like credit card points, for example, um, it's still almost in a way would be uh, interesting to still pursue that, uh, whether it was just to accumulate points or, or maybe take advantage of a cash back on a card. Um, just uh, curious what your thoughts were on that, because I know there's some uh, fees for credit card transactions. Um, curious to know uh, if there's an effective way that might be uh, advantageous for some of your listeners to uh to think about using for payment method uh all right thanks scott uh thank you have a good one okay so this is an interesting question i've never been asked this question by the way as far as should i sell a product that's not making any money but i could make money on the points or the air miles or whatever like the fly the frequently flyers miles or any of that stuff like i've never had that question asked so nick that's a that's a good question um but here is my answer Number one, if all you're doing it for and you're banking on getting 1% or even 2% cash back on your card for going through the trouble of, you know, selling a product and sourcing it and possibly getting stuck with it for whatever reason, um, and there's no margin there for, there's no room for, for movement there or, you know, growth. Nah, I would not do that at all. Now, if you, this is another good tip for anyone listening. If you are purchasing on your credit card and you're not getting points, you might want to change that like right now. That would be an instant bump for you because you will get a little bit back. Let's say it's 1%, you know, not much, but Hey, might be, you know, maybe, maybe 50 bucks might be a hundred bucks, whatever it is, depending on how big your order is. Why not get that? Uh, you know, so this way here, it's a little bit, you're getting back in return. Okay. So that would be the only way I would use that. That's if your product is profitable. I would never do it just to sell a product so I get points on a card. I, I wouldn't do that at all. Not unless you're getting like five bucks for every sale, <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't do it. Now, let's go back to that product that is converting though. It's converting, but you're not making really anything, but it's kind of a break even. I would do that if I was able to then lead people to my other products some way. That also might be another product that you might think about. Well, maybe I can drive Facebook ads to an off, you know, an off platform sales funnel of some kind. Maybe that's my lead in offer. Um, because again, if you do it off of Amazon, even if you fulfill it through Amazon, uh, you can, uh, you can avoid the Amazon fees, not the pick and pack, but just the commission fees, um, which could be two, three, four bucks, depending. Um, so that might be an option as well, but if it's converting, we know it's converting, then why not? Why wouldn't we um, keep that going as long as we can lead people to our other products in our brand? All right, so that's the only way I would do that. So hopefully this helped you and anyone else out there that's uh, maybe at this at this position or in this position uh, where you're thinking to yourself, it's, it's selling, but I'm not making any money. If I raise the price, I don't sell anymore. Ask yourself those questions. And then as far as the credit card thing goes, you should be definitely trying to purchase on a credit card that can get you some points back regardless. All right. So, all right, that's going to wrap up Nick's question. Nick, thank you so much. Good luck. Keep me posted. Let's go ahead and listen to one more question and I will give you my answer and then we'll wrap this baby up. What do you say? Let's do it. 
Hi, Scott. This is Charles from Dallas. First of all, I want to say thanks for all the great podcasts and content that you and uh, Chris share with everybody. It's definitely very helpful for uh, all of us Amazon sellers. We do appreciate it. And my question is that, well, I know that you and Chris have partners that you work with, and I'm wondering what you recommend for bringing on a partner. Would you create a new LLC and a new Amazon account? And what would be the process for going to Amazon and requesting a uh, new account? I appreciate it if you could let me know. And uh, by the way, I will see you in uh, Seller Summit. Hey, Charles, what's up, man? Well, for those of you that don't know, Charles has, uh, he's been at a few of the meetups and uh, I've met Charles quite a few times now, probably three, four times and uh, great guy. And uh, yes, thank you so much for this question, Charles. But uh, thank you also for being a a listener of the podcast and, uh, and a supporter. I really, truly appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just wanted to say thanks, man. So, okay, let's, let, let's talk about this. We could have talked about this at seller summit, but you, you didn't want to wait that long. I get it. Uh, all right. So let's talk about this. And it's a good question. Uh, now, first off, let me just warn anyone that's going into a partnership. If you're going into a partnership, you need to make sure that it's a good fit for both parties. Okay. That's number one. When my father and his partner were together for over 20 years, it was like a bad marriage. So just uh, just to give you that before I go into partnerships. Now, I am in a partnership right now, um, and it works really good because we each have our own strengths. And we don't, we don't really share the same strengths. We kind of do, but not where I have to do what they're doing and they don't have to do what I'm doing. So we kind of have our separate roles, and I think that's important. Just a little, just a little bit of advice there. That's all. Okay. Not to scare anyone away from that. Okay. So first off, yes, if you're going into a partnership, unless you are going to not use your own account or they're not going to use their own account for other things, you could always just use that and then make that the account. Okay. As long as you're not going to have other things coming into that account, some are, uh, some are theirs and some are yours to make it clean. Yes. You're going to want to create a new seller's account. And you will want to create a new LLC. And on that LLC, there will be uh, partners and there'll be, you know, or basically it'll be like shareholders in a sense. And you will be one of them. Okay. 50-50 or however you split it. Some some people will do different. Maybe it's going to be 30-70, whatever it is, right? So that would be done by an attorney, obviously. Um, and then you would have that, you know, that paper that says this is the LLC, this is how it's formed, and these are um these are the not employees, but these are the owners or, you know, in this case, it would be partners. Okay. And it'll kind of break up the split. Now, again, I'm not a legal advisor, so this is not legal advice, just a little disclaimer there. Uh, you know, so I'm just kind of sharing what I've done and kind of how it worked. All right. So, um, yes, I would definitely do an LLC. Yes. I would definitely set up a separate account. And in order to set up a separate account, here's a little tip. Um, a lot of people will go and they'll submit a support ticket or just reach out to sellers uh, or seller support and they'll get a generic answer back that says, no, you can't. Okay. Um, what you want to do is you want to call, you want to call them during their business hours. And then you want to tell them the situation and you want to tell them the truth. Listen, uh, I have, uh, my own seller's account. My, my partner has their own seller's account, but we're starting something brand new, a new business, and it is not going to be in, you know, in my account or their account. It's going to be separate products. The reason why they don't want you having 
additional accounts is because they don't want you to sell your product in one brand and then sell that same product in another brand. Okay. They don't want you to do that. They don't want you to, you know, create these, um, these, these basically listings that are the same brand, even though you can do that with retail arbitrage, but you're really sharing that listing then. All right. In this case, what you would be able to do with a seller's account is you can sell the same product, just maybe brand it differently on another one. And then you'd have it have it on the one that you form now. See, that's why they don't want you to do that. But if you tell them that that's not the case, you know, right now you're selling pet collars in the pet industry and that's what that brand is. But this brand over here is going to be all about barbecue stuff. Then it makes sense. And you just have to let them know that. And then you'll want to definitely keep this as record or as a record. So this way here, you have that. If anything ever happens, you can go back and say, well, wait a minute here. I've already went through all of the, you know, all the steps to get this cleared and I've got, you know, approval here and you're probably going to want to get that approval in writing and in a, a verbal, um, the verbal, obviously you won't be able to go back and kind of track that, but they usually will have a transcript that they can give you, I believe. Um, and then you just save that. Okay. So I would say, yes, you definitely want that. And when you do this separate account, you're going to have a separate checking account, separate EIN number, um, all of that stuff. So it will be its own business. And that's why you will definitely want to have your own account. Unless, like I said, if you're saying like, listen, I don't mind using my account. I'm not going to be using my account for this brand that I've been doing, or maybe you've been doing retail arbitrage for a long time. And you're like, I'm, I'm going to get out of retail arb. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you just want to use yours for the business. You're going to have to make that the business now, though. So you're going to have to change out your checking. You're going to have to change out the business name, the address. And then that way there, your partner would be protected or you would be protected because now you are on that and you'll have full access just as they would. The cleanest way would be to get a separate seller's account. That's the cleanest way. A little bit more you know, involved, not much, but a little bit, uh, but that would be the steps that I would, that I would do. Okay. So Charles, hopefully that helped you. And uh, again, thanks so much for uh, the question and thanks so much for being awesome. Uh, I definitely enjoy hanging out with you when we, when we get that time together at these meetups and stuff, and you're always there. You're a huge supporter of TAS and, uh, and we, we definitely recognize that. So I appreciate you. Now, before we wrap this up today, um, I received another voicemail from a listener. Now it wasn't a question. Well, it kind of was, uh, but it was kind of funny too. So I want to play that for you right now. And, uh, I just, I think it's funny and I think you'll enjoy it. And, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of strange. So, um, just listen to it if you want to, if not have an awesome day, weekend, whatever. But, um, if you want to, if you want to laugh a little bit, definitely check it out. It's kind of funny how things work. So, uh, listen to this, uh, this voicemail that I received from, from a listener. Hey Scott, this is Ben from Victoria, Canada. Uh, first off, just want to say thank you so much for your podcast. Started listening back in October when I first learned about FBA. And uh, ever since then, I've been hitting it full time. And actually, just uh, this last few days, my product, my first product is uh, live on Amazon. So exciting times. Anyhow, I just wanted to reach out because I had a funny story and I had to share it. So probably back in October, on one of your podcasts, I, I know you were talking about uh, you wanted to buy this mug from Starbucks, but you were like, ah, I don't know. It's really expensive. And finally, I think your wife just said like, buy the freaking mug. And it was funny because I was telling my wife at that time, um, the story, because I was going through the exact same thing, maybe like a week or so early, I, earlier, I found this mug. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I just can't, I don't know how much it was. It was like, whatever, 15 bucks or something. I was like, I can't spend that on a mug, but it's really awesome. And I remember her telling her about this story. And it was just funny that you were going through the same thing with some cup at Starbucks. And for whatever reason, every now and then when I'm drinking coffee out of my cup, 
I think back to that and I'm like, God, I wonder what cup Scott got from Starbucks. And just today, for whatever reason, it crossed my mind again. I was like, hey, I should just reach out to Scott and say thanks and, and ask this question. So anyhow, I was poking around on um, your Facebook page today and I see one of your videos. Lo and behold, what are you drinking out of? It's the exact same cup that I also got from Starbucks and absolutely love. And it's my favorite cup. So my question is, uh, is, is that half white and half blue kind of mermaid bumpy texture, square handle cup, your, your everyday go-to mug. And if so, uh, that's the same one I have and it is an awesome cup. So nice purchase. Anyhow, man, I had to share that story. Thanks for, uh, thanks for all the education and, uh, yeah, keep, keep crushing it. Thanks Scott. Bye. <laughs> I mean, strange, right? Like that's crazy. So, uh, Ben, thanks for sharing that. And that is, it's really weird, right? I mean, uh, I was looking at the same coffee mug as you were and you were kind of thinking it was cool, but eh, I didn't want to spend the 15 bucks or whatever for a basic mug, um, which really does give me a lot of pleasure. I enjoy that mug. And yes, I'm looking at it right now and it is my go-to mug, by the way. I do use that mug a lot and uh, I don't know, it's something how when you have... I don't know, something that makes you feel good, not just the coffee in it, but the texture of it feels kind of cool too. It's kind of weird, but um, I don't want to bore everyone with our with our obsession here with this coffee mug. But anyway, I uh, just wanted to kind of share that. I thought it was funny and uh, it, it is kind of strange how things how things happen. All right, guys, so hopefully you found that funny. Um, go out there and find a mug that makes you feel good. Um, it doesn't have to be just the look. It could be the texture. And this one here has a nice one. So, all right, guys, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 499. You can get all the show notes, the transcripts all over there. And then also, if you are stuck in finding your market or your products, go over to productdiscoverybootcamp.com. Check it out. See if it's for you. We'll help you get through that entire process. Super excited about that training. All right, guys. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I'm rooting for you. But you have to, you have to, come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, weekend, whatever time it is, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now go get that coffee mug or something that makes you happy. 